catastrophic smash. The cyclist who was sitting next to the lamp ducked and jumped across the bar. Everybody jumped more or less. Miss Maybridge turned and screamed. For nearly three seconds, the lamp remained still. A faint cry of mental distress came from Mr. Fotheringay. I can't keep it up, he said. Any longer. He staggered back, and the inverted lamp suddenly flared, fell against the corner of the bar, bounced aside, smashed upon the floor, and went out. It was lucky it had a metal receiver, or the whole place would have been in a blaze. Mr. Cox was the first to speak, and his remark, shorn of needless excrescences, was to the effect that Fotheringay was a fool. Fotheringay was beyond disputing even so fundamental a proposition as that. He was astonished beyond measure at the thing that had occurred. The subsequent conversation threw absolutely no light on the matter as far as Fotheringay was concerned. The general opinion not only followed Mr. Cox very closely, but very vehemently. Everyone accused Fotheringay of a silly trick, and presented him to himself as a foolish destroyer of comfort and security. His mind was a tornado of perplexity. He was himself inclined to agree with them, and he made a remarkably ineffectual opposition to the proposal of his departure. He went home flushed and heated. Coat collar crumpled, eyes smarting, and ears red. He watched each of the ten street lamps nervously as he passed them. It was only when he found himself alone in his little bedroom in Church Row that he was able to grapple seriously with his memories of the occurrence and ask, What on earth happened? He had removed his coat and boots and was sitting on the bed with his hands in his pockets, repeating the text of his defense for the seventeenth time. I didn't want the confounded thing to upset. When it occurred to him that at the precise moment he had said the commanding words, he had inadvertently willed the thing, he said, and that when he'd seen the lamp in the air, he had felt that it had depended on him to maintain it there, without being clear how this was to be done. He had not a particularly complex mind, or he might have stuck for a time at that. Inadvertently willed. Embracing as it does, the abstrusest problems of voluntary action. But as it was, the idea came to him with a quite acceptable haziness. And from that, following, as I must admit, no clear logical path, he came to the test of experiment. He pointed resolutely to his candle and collected his mind, though he felt he did a foolish thing. Be raised up, he said, but in a second the feeling vanished. The candle was raised, hung in the air one giddy moment, and as Mr. Fotheringay gasped, fell with a smash on his toilet table, leaving him in darkness, save for the expiring glow of its wick. For a time, Mr. Fotheringay sat in the darkness, perfectly still. It did happen, after all, he said. And how I'm to explain it, I don't know. He sighed heavily, and began feeling in his pockets for a match. He could find none, and he rose and groped about the toilet table. Oh, I wish I had a match, he said. He resorted to his coat, and there was none there. And then it dawned upon him that miracles were possible, even with matches. He extended a hand and scowled at it in the dark. Let there be match in that hand, he said. He felt some light object fall across his palm, and his fingers closed upon a match. After several ineffectual attempts to light this, he discovered it was a safety match. He threw it down, and then it occurred to him that he might have willed it lit. He did, and perceived it burning in the midst of his toilet table mat. 
He caught it up hastily, and it went out. His perception of possibilities enlarged, and he felt for and replaced the candle in its candlestick. Here you, be lit, said Mr. Fotheringay, and forthwith the candle was flaring, and he saw a little black hole in the toilet cover, with a wisp of smoke rising from it. For a time he stared from this to the little flame and back, and then looked up and met his own gaze in the looking-glass. And by this help he communed with himself, in silence for a time. How about miracles now? said Mr. Fotheringay at last, addressing his reflection. The subsequent meditations of Mr. Fotheringay were of a severe but confused description. So far he could see it was a case of pure willing with him. The nature of his experience so far disinclined him for any further experimentation, at least until he had reconsidered them. But he lifted a sheet.